Hi, everybody. It's Maddie. Welcome to Access Podcast, the podcast about podcast. And I got to be honest with you, there are a couple podcasts that I'm a total geek for. These are the podcasts that when a new episode comes out, whatever I'm doing stops and I go listen to them. One of those podcasts is 30 for 30. So I was really excited when I got a chance to talk to Jody Avergan, who hosts and executive produces 30 for 30. Jody has been telling audio stories for years, including his time at WNYC and for 580 Sports. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk to him about the art of audio storytelling, plus how his daughter became a meme seen around the world. And don't forget, after the conversation, producer Morgan will be in and we will be telling you about three podcasts that you should binge. But right now, let's check out a little bit from 30 for 30. There are many levels of professional baseball. There's the big leagues, Major League Baseball. Then there's AAA. That's one step down. Then there's AA, A-ball, rookie ball, winter league. And you keep going down all the way towards the bottom. There are the independent leagues. Technically professional in that players get paid something to play baseball. But those leagues exist several planets away from the show, as they call the majors. And most of the players in those leagues will never come close to putting on a big league uniform. They'll play in tiny parks in front of near-empty bleachers until reality finally sets in and they hang it up. For one summer, though, there was someone very different among them. One of, without question, the greatest baseball players and personalities of all time. Jody, welcome to Access Podcast, and I have to ask you a very important question to start. Mm -hmm. What is it like to wake up every morning and just piss podcast excellence? (laughs) Um... (laughs) Well, the first thing I do every morning is drink a glass of water, and then I go to the bathroom. So, you know, I can't answer that. I try and ingest podcast excellence first. You know, you've worked at WNYC, which I think is basically the Graceland of podcasts, and audio storytelling. What initially drew you to audio storytelling? You know, I I won't give you the full backstory, but, you know, in college, I did uh, film, and I did documentaries in film. My parents are journalists, and so I've always sort of thought about news and and documentaries and so forth. My start in radio was not necessarily in the documentary storytelling world. It was it was at WNYC, but it was really in the daily talk show mold. So I landed at the feet of Brian Lehrer, who is the host of the Brian Lehrer show, which is on the 10 a.m. every day on WNYC. And it's a you know your local public radio talk call-in show. So that's, you know, really where I got my start. And I spent seven years there as my home base. And then I, at WNYC, I was able to sort of dip around and spend a, a month in the newsroom here and there, you know, spend a, a, some time working with the various shows. So I got a little taste of the longer form stuff. But I don't know, I really, I've always liked to talk. And I've always felt like my metabolism is more akin to like a daily show. I like making stuff and moving on and coming up with ideas and executing on them pretty quick. And so it's been a little of a challenge and an interesting transition and just like really sort of a a fun challenge to go then now towards stuff that we're doing at 30 for 30, which takes months and months and months to put together. So it's been nice to kind of exercise those two, those two gears and almost come full circle back to doing documentary stuff. Like I started doing and thinking about when I was in college and then a couple of years thereafter. When you were at WNYC, I, I, I found some of your old stories, which were awesome, especially the toilet training method by Charles yeah. Mingus. <laughs> so I did a piece for uh, Studio 360 about how Charles Mingus, one of my favorite musicians, you know, greatest jazz bassist of all time, and one of the stranger figures in the history of music, had toilet trained his cats, in particular one of his cats called Nightlife, 
to uh, use the toilet. And he not only kind of developed a method on his own to toilet train a cat, but then he came up with a basically set of instructions and you could, throughout the 60s and 70s, send effectively a self-addressed stamped envelope to Charles Mingus at a P.O. box and he would mail you back his Charles Mingus catalog for toilet training your cat so you could do this for your cats at home. I happen to have a cat that is toilet trained. My cat was not trained what? using the... Yeah, I know. My cat was not trained using the Mingus method, but it got me interested in this world. And so I pitched this story to Studio 360. They were very, very skeptical, I would say, at first. And uh, we worked it for a while, and we found a cat to try and train. And we sort of told a story about Charles Mingus himself throughout it. And I don't know, it kind of combines a lot of the things I like in journalism, which is kind of sneaking your way into a serious story, telling something that is hopefully just like engaging to listen to. And then all of a sudden, you're learning about bigger stuff. And in this case, you know, really learning about Charles Mingus, in addition to cat psychology. I mean, he was, I will say he was onto something when he developed this homespun method. It actually really does fit in to a lot that we now know about how cats operate and how, and how to go about toilet training. One thing I, I did love about it the most was the, the voiceover. You had Charles Mingus's voice in. That's the kind of like little touch that makes the story really, it comes to life even more. Yeah, I mean, we, so we got a voice actor to be the voice of Charles Mingus. I will say, you know, one of the things in just working with that piece and working with Studio 360, it was a, it was very fun, and I had a kind of vision for the piece, and they helped me work towards that. But they did that through really intense editing, and you know, it was this piece took months and months and months. It started out as as many pieces do, probably like 30 minutes long, and then came down to like 13, and tons and tons of revisions and so to me it was you know a fun piece to work with it was great to work with the studio 360 team and have a piece on a show that i admire but it was also a really good lesson for me relatively early in doing this kind of stuff in the editing process when you're at a place that takes stuff really seriously and i have continued to learn this lesson and it's kind of the only lesson i feel like i learn over and over which is the difference between a good piece and a great piece is editing and story editing, line editing, and then editing in, you know, in a session of the actual audio. And so it's something I've tried to carry with me is just give stories time and give them the sort of ruthless editing because that will, that will take it to that next level. I think that is one, a lot of folks never understand how much time goes into yeah. doing a good podcast and audio. And I work with companies, I work with radio talent, and I'm always amazed that, you know, people don't understand the amount of effort that goes into something. So when you're picking out a story, you know, you know, you're devoting a certain amount of time to, you know, a lot of time to something. So, so how's the process of, of deciding, okay, this is a story worth me investing a couple of months of time into. I mean, I think you're hitting on something really important, which we've thought about a lot at 30 for 30, which is story selection is really huge because, you know, our goal with 30 for 30, but I think just in general, you want to find a story that is very specific. In our case, you know, it's in the world of sports and we don't do like biopics. We don't do sort of a profile of a person. We try and pick a specific moment that has bigger themes. And so we really try and vet our stories on is this something that will sustain big ideas? And then does this have a natural arc? Is there a natural evolution of this story from A to B to C to D that we can follow and then have the big ideas kind of glom on top of them? And I've just learned that if you pick the right story and it's got a natural momentum and it's got big ideas that come into it naturally and it's got characters who are good talkers and it's got good archival 
I mean, those are all really hard things to find. But if you find that, then you're almost just like getting out of the way of the story as you're making it. You know, your job is to just kind of collect it and let it do its thing. Whereas the flip side of that, and we've done that, is, you know, you pick the story and some of those things aren't there. And the whole time you just feel like you're fighting against the story. And there's no worse feeling in the world than feeling like you're fighting against the story that you picked and you want to do, but it's just not there. And you're just killing yourself and trying to make it happen. So we've done some of those and you find a way to make it happen. But I would much rather spend a lot of time developing a story and making sure it's one that feels like it inherently has all those things we're looking for so that our job is to really just sort of help nurture it to life. When the Beakram series came out that Julia did, I was interested, but I was like, wow, is this, you know, this is pretty daring to decide to devote a season to this story. How did that come about in deciding, hey, this is something we're going to do all these episodes on for this? So that was originally, I mean, that was one of the first ideas we ever had Mm. was we should do an episode on Vikram Yoga and in particular the sexual assault allegations against the founder of Vikram Yoga, Vikram Chowdhury. And we, and Julia Henderson, one of our reporter producers, took it on um, and she had a background in Vikram. And so she was always interested in this story. And we were going to do it as just one episode in you know, a regular season. I had, from the very beginning of the show, in my mind, thought, well, we do this model where we do two seasons a year, and they're about five episodes each. I would love to find every once in a while a story that could just be one season and just do a serialized story. So I'd had that in the back of my head. I had set, you know, the team knew that, like, we should be on our looking out for these. And a few months into reporting the Bikram story, Julia sent a really long email after after a big reporting trip and said, you know, I just think there's more here. I think that this is this could be multi-part. And the specific things that felt like, okay, this will let us, this can sustain, is one, finding out about his backstory. And he has a really fascinating kind of rise and how he came to America and, and became a sort of sensation in America before he even started to, you know, how he accumulated his power before he abused his power was a big one. But we also realized that there's a story of kind of fitness in America as part of this, too. Bikram was a, was a craze, was a fitness craze, and one of the first fitness crazes. And it helped us understand how those kinds of things take off and get franchised and get a bunch of people doing them. But moreover, we just felt like we could focus on his behavior in the last 10 years, last seven years, and the sexual assault allegations. But the most compelling thing is to take our time to understand how we got there, because it wasn't just that this was an awful person who did awful things. It was this was a person who built systems around him and accumulated power. A lot of it power that was, you know, that he accumulated because he was doing things that were really positive in people's lives. And then once he had that power around him, why was there a culture and why was there why was there a sort of system around him that allowed him to abuse that power? And that's not a 30 minute story, right? You, you need the time to be able to tell that. So that so we just kind of made the call and said, okay, we think this is going to be multi-part. And all of a sudden, all these other avenues opened up for us. It's funny. I know a lot of folks involved with Bikram, and, and I you know, did it for a few years. And I don't think anyone was shocked you know, by a lot of the things that came out in the podcast. But I'm a P1, as we say in radio. I've been listening to 30 for 30 from the very first podcast came out. But I found a lot of folks who I would talk to, because everybody wants to ask me, you know, what podcast am I listening to yeah. and, and, and all of that, who I wouldn't say would be somebody that would seek out 30 for 30, who sought that one out and just fell in love with that podcast. And also yeah. with then went back and listened to the old episodes. So I think it was it really was a build a bridge for a lot of folks, too. 
Yeah, and I mean, that was strategic on our part. I mean, it's not the only reason we do that kind of stuff, but we realized, okay, we're ESPN, we're 30 for 30. I mean, 30 for 30 has always been, as a film series, and then we've tried to sort of inherit that as a podcast series, the bridge. You hear all the time from people, you know, I don't like sports, but I like 30 for 30. I love hearing that. You know, and we always have thought of our show as a show that is not for sports people. It's, you know, it's good stories, and our lens happens to be sports. That said, I realized that, you know, there is for some people, I have many thoughts on this, for some people are kind of block for sports and they just aren't that interested. And we did realize that the Bikram series might break out in that way, both in terms of subject matter and sort of themes, but also in terms of format. It's just kind of like, hey, there's something interesting going on here. Let me let me check this out, a five-part series. So yeah, I mean, we thought of like, some of our straight ahead sportsy stories are going to get the, ES, the core ESPN crowd and we're going to keep them hopefully, and they'll stick around to listen to the Bikram thing. And then the Bikram thing's going to reach out and get some maybe more This American Life type listeners in. And then they'll, as you said, go back and listen to our stuff. And we're just trying to kind of accumulate different audiences as we go and hopefully keep them around. Well, I think in general, you know, sports are positive and, and bring people together in a lot of ways. And sports stories have all the elements of good storytelling that, you know, you've talked about having a story arc, a game. A sport is a story arc from the beginning to the end, and there's a story in every game. And I think that's one of the things that you almost have unlimited amount of content to go find. And, and I'm sure it's a little overwhelming at times with the amount of stuff that you probably want to do. Yeah, though I will say, I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier about what we really feel like it's a very high bar in terms of picking a story. We get a lot of pitches that are like, oh, that game was crazy. And that's not enough, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, there were a lot of crazy games, and we do, we rarely do games, both on the film side and on the podcast side. There's episodes that we do where like there's hardly any actual game or you know action on the field or on the court or or whatever. You know, it's about the people, and it's about did the game cause someone's life to change or our society to change? You know, those are the bigger themes we're looking for. Now that said, to your point about the natural arc of sports, I will say, yes, obviously, like you can point to a game or a season or a career and kind of say, oh, someone is going to win and someone is going to lose. And that's always like, you know, a nice thing to have in, in terms of keeping a narrative going. There's also another thing we think about a lot, you know, any storyteller thinks about stakes. There's always a moment at which you have to ask yourself, what are the stakes of our story? Our stakes, I think, are the same as a lot of other shows that aren't about sports. You know, it's about someone's life or about someone at an inflection point or society at their inflection point. But then there are also moments where the stakes are literally like, here's a big game, someone's going to win or someone's going to lose. Or we've done a couple gambling stories. You just get to say, there's literally a million dollars on the line. And all of a sudden you can tell that the audience is a little perked up or whatever. So yes, there are some of those nice elements in sports stories where you just get to kind of refer to winners or losers or stakes. And, and you know that that's going to be a hook. What I've liked, you know, between seasons, you've been putting up some past audio from other documentaries. I just feel like every time I listen, there are stories that I go in thinking, I'll look at the show description and I'll be like, eh, I don't know. English soccer. I don't really care about yeah. that. And then I listened. And then by the end of it, I love it when I'm sad when it's over because I just I enjoyed that one so much. And then the documentary, I'm a WVU fanatic. I went to West Virginia University and I didn't know that story about the first dunk happening at WVU. It's got to be fun to be able to present those and surprise people. Yeah, you know, I almost wish we could get to a point where we don't have to put an episode description in because I know some people look and say, well, I'm not into football or I'm not into this particular athlete or team or whatever, you know, and our goal is really to be telling a story that is of universal appeal and is going pretty quickly past a lot of the specificities of what sport it is or what athlete it is, you know, by 
three or four minutes in, I hope that everyone, when they're listening to us, just realizes, oh, this is a good story and I'm invested in these characters and I'm along for the ride. I obviously recognize that some sports are more high profile than others, some athletes are more high profile than others, but I've been really heartened actually to see just in the reception and in the download numbers that people are generally listening to all of our stories. And we hear from people all the time who say, I don't, you know, like you said, I don't really care about soccer better. I don't really care about poker. And, but I was into that. And so, you know, our goal is just, there's a good story almost everywhere and, and we just need to find it. Well, great podcasts educate, entertain, or an empathetic experience. I, I call it the three E's. Mm-hmm. And that's what 30 for 30 is. It covers all of those things. The thing I love about podcasting the most is I feel like it is the one time in people's lives where they actually do focus on one thing and they come out feeling better. At least I think with a good podcast, they do. I just wanted to talk to you. You know, how do you feel about for folks that have been, you know, I've been in podcasting for 11 years and it's just the last couple of years seeing the surge and people listening. It makes me feel better about society in a way. Do you feel that too? <laughs> I generally agree. I mean, I think podcasting, it's a cliche, but it's true. Podcasting is intimate and it's empathetic. I think it is a healthy kind of thing to, <laughs> to engage in. So more people listening to podcasts is a generally a good thing. I mean, I will say to your point about where this industry has exploded in the last couple of years, I think it's only been, I, I will confess, in the last maybe year or so that I really feel like the quality of work has gone to a new level. You know, if we had been talking 18 months ago, my mindset was kind of like, we're in the podcast revolution, but what's good out there? Like, you know, I, I felt this weird disconnect and it hasn't been that long, but in the last year, I just feel like I've been really inspired and by a lot of new, really impressive work. And so now it feels like a lot of other industries were just like growing up a little bit and, and most talented people who have the most important stories to tell and the resources for those people to tell those stories are finally starting to come to bear. You know, I've just been especially inspired in the last six months or a year. I tell talent when I'm working with new folks in podcasting that, you know, the days of uh, two guys telling dick jokes on bad mics for two hours, yeah. you know, that's not the world we live in right now. And that's not the kind of podcast people are consuming. And they really want good quality podcasts. I mean, there's still a home for those. I mean, maybe not oh, absolutely. Jokes, but I think there's still power in a great interview show. It's not like, oh, we have Terry Gross and Mark Marin. And so we don't need any more good interview shows. Still, there are still new interview shows that come along that are the simplest format in the world. You know, two people talking to each other, but I still love them and they still feel fresh. And then there is, of course, the whole world of documentaries and talk. You know, yeah, I think it, there's an understanding that there's more out there and that it's, it should be thought of as a almost a different medium. And I've always thought that word podcast is just a little unsatisfying because it can mean everything on a really wide spectrum. I mean, you rarely hear people say, I like television, right? They go a little further than that. And, yeah. and they, they say, I like comedies or they, you know, they talk about a specific show or a specific type of show. They're like, we're reaching that point where someone says, I like podcasts or I want to make a podcast. I think that that requires a little more interrogation and, and to say like, well, there's a wide spectrum of what that means and all of that can be good, but we need to develop some better language or some more understanding that there's a huge spectrum of what a podcast could be. I follow you on Twitter. In fact, I would consider us Twitter friends. That's how I uh, Mm -hmm. actually reached out to you about the interview. I had no idea until I got ready to do this interview how famous you are, not for 30 for 30, not for podcasting at all, but for a picture of your daughter. Oh, God. Yes, this may be my legacy. Uh, I mean, really? (laughs) Like, no, if you look your name up, it's 100 articles about that picture. I Tell people, like, how did that happen and just exactly what it was? So I have a daughter. Um, she just heard two, actually, a couple of days ago. Uh, but when she was just shy of turning one, you know, my wife and I kind of 
came to an understanding pretty naturally when she was born that we weren't going to really post many photos of her online or I wasn't going to talk about her on the podcast, you know, that I host or whatever. So we just kind of laid low. Um, but we obviously would take 50 pictures a day of her for our consumption. And we were out, decided to go get pizza. And it was the first time my daughter had eaten pizza. And she had just this euphoric reaction to it. And I took a photo of it. And we were looking at the photo later. And I was like, this is a really good photo. Like, this is this is a good photo. What do you think about just this once breaking our sort of pact and posting it online? So we agreed. We shared it with the world. And it immediately just went like hyper viral. I mean, I could see it just happening almost in real time. I was on the subway. And so, yeah, it got like millions and millions of views. And then it became a meme. And it had that sort of natural life cycle of a meme. And then we were sort of in the meme eye of the storm for you know maybe a week or 10 days and the photo was getting ripped and used in other contexts and people were sending us screenshots of it and stuff and it was it was kind of wild we laid low after that like we had a lot a decent number of offers to like do follow-up interviews or go on tv or whatever and we just kind of said we're just going to let it ride out it was an interesting experience well it's also what you wrote you'd given her pizza for the first time and she had this yes. ecstatic look i saw probably five different languages of articles too that, that yeah. really went large <laughs> i have to ask did it help with the podcast at all did you see a little bump there <laughs> no i don't think so uh yeah i don't know i mean on the one hand recognize that it was big it was a legit viral moment i also recognize that they are like two of those a week you know and i recognized pretty quickly like okay we're the like cute baby of the moment and in three days four days the world will move on. And so it wasn't like this lasting level up in terms of uh, fame or audience or whatever. It was just this weird, weird bump. Once she's able to tell stories, she'll have a story to tell. Um, it'll be a fun little thing. It might be a podcast one day. It might be a podcast one day. Though again, like when I was just looking at something this morning, like there's this video of this super cute kid and it it's going super viral. And then in two days, there'll be another kid, you know, so she's one of 25 kids that went viral in the year 2018. So I'm not, I'm not leading myself as to just how big of a deal it was. <laughs> well, you just gave me an idea for a new podcast, the famous babies Yes, <laughs> coming soon to uh, Apple podcast. Jody, before we go, I always end everything with my three killer questions. Okay. Question number one, if you could listen to anybody living or dead, do a podcast, who would be on the podcast? Is this a host or yeah, a, or um, a roundtable? Whatever you want. However, you you yeah. know who would you like to listen to? Sit around a room and talk on microphones. I gotta think about this for a second. Um, okay, I'll give you an answer here. Someone I wish were still around is Studs Turkle. I mean, we have a lot of audio of Studs Turkle. As a labor activist and sort of oral historian, but I think like the podcast format would have shaken him out of a mode, and I just think he's one of my favorite characters of all time. More contemporary, there's a musician, Billy Bragg, who I think is one of my favorite musicians, but also I think one of the best storytellers in the world, and I've always wondered why he doesn't have a podcast, and I've always thought someone should chat with him and, and get him the podcast. So those are the two answers that are Coming off the top of my head, I wish I could reach deeper into history, but uh, those are the two that are coming to mind. No, that's good. I haven't thought about Studs Turk in a while, so thanks for bringing that up. Question two, what was the first piece of technology that you got and said, this right here is changing my life? Well, I mentioned to you that I started out doing film documentaries and you know, my dad was a news cameraman for many years. And so he always had 
camera equipment lying around and audio equipment as well. And I mean, this was of a generation where there were still like real to real recorders and good mics. So I just remember like in high school getting very much into the machinery of recording both film and video and audio on tape and then audio digitally when, you know, and I was just, I'm just of that age to sort of have bridged that gap. I'm not like a super gearhead, but I've always felt like being really interested in the gear and the technology um, has been really helpful throughout because it just gives you a capacity to learn new systems and learn new software and kind of be interested in kind of new pieces of equipment as they come along, which I think is just, that's the heart of it. It's like at some level, if you're making this stuff, you are interacting with software or hardware and you kind of have to have a capacity for tinkering and learning that stuff and, and making it work for you. So I don't know, there's a, there was an old reel-to-reel tape recorder that my dad would use for syncing when he was on film shoots. And that was like the first piece of equipment that I just got really like intrigued by. And finally, what's the last podcast that you binged? I listened to the latest series of Headlong. It's called Running from the Cops, Dan Taberski's latest season. Dan Taberski did Missing Richard Simmons, and then he did a series on Y2K. And now he's done a series on Cops, the TV show. I mean, I think it's stunning. I think he's someone who every project I've heard of his gets better and better. And so I'm just like really inspired and impressed by his work. And this series on cops, I thought was just really brilliantly put together and really important. And the final two episodes of that, and I say this in a good way, like enraged me in a way that journalism hasn't in a while and got me really both thinking deeply, but just really kind of asking some big questions about justice and policing and media and all these sort of big weighty things that I like to think about. So, I mean, I, you know, I can't say enough good things about his work and in particular this season. Speaking of seasons, 30 for 30, you got any tease for us of what's going to be coming up in the, in the next few weeks? We have a big series coming out and actually we're going to put it out sort of into the summer a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to try and hit in, the, in August with that, but it's actually another multi-part season. So it is a story about basketball and real estate and racism and sort of a soap opera story based in LA. Maybe listeners can put together the clues from that. And then we are already working on our season for the fall winter, which will be back to individual episodes. And I'm like, was doing it right before we talked and I'm going to go back to it right when we're done talking. I'm like working on a piece for that and cutting it. And I'm, I'm at that moment where I'm like, oh, this might be really kind of a great story. And so I'm very excited for that. I mean, that's still six months away, but I'm, I'm excited about some of the stories that we have coming for the winter. So, and we're already planning stuff for 2020 and beyond. So, you know, it's a big, big part of our job is to just try and get a lot of stuff into production so that we can have irons in the fire and then just roll them out when they're ready. At Jody Avergan, if you want to follow him on Twitter, I highly recommend it. You're a great follow on Twitter. <laughs> if you haven't binged it, just go back. Listen to all the episodes of 30 for 30 on the yeah. Heart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Jody, thank you for coming on Access Podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, that was fun. Did I sound like a geek talking to Jody? Because I'm, I'm really, uh, am a big fan. A huge fan? Nah, yeah. it didn't really come across that way. It's very, very natural. You sounded not nervous at all. That's that's funny. <laughs> I've been listening, you know, since they launched Thirty for Thirty, and I just think Jody's amazing. It's a great podcast, and I remember even like watching Thirty for Thirties in school and like journalism class and stuff. There's so much to learn from that type of journalism. You make me feel old every time you open your <laughs> mouth, young lady. I didn't mean to add that part in there.
I just meant to say I watch it sometimes. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but Jody was great, and I've tasked you with finding three podcasts that if people like 30 for 30, they mm-hmm. may also like these podcasts. Yes. What have you found for us this week, Morgan? So first one I found is Fantasy Footballers. This one is all about fantasy football. I've tried to play fantasy football. wasn't that great, so I stopped. But they break down the whole world of fantasy football with their opinions. It's an expert trio of three guys, and they give you this type of expert advice that you can't get anywhere else. Let me say something about this podcast. I love these guys. They've been on the show before you were here. They came on the show, and uh, we actually sat at a table together at the iHeartRadio Podcast Awards, and they won Best Sports Podcast. So oh. I was really excited for them. I love them a lot. So we support this podcast fully on this show. I hope you guys check it out. But here's a clip, right? Yeah, here we go. You want to know what the fantasy footballers are about? We're about accurate information, getting Let's those win. fantasy football picks right. Let's win. Let's grin. Let it begin. I love Well it. done. <laughs> Number two, entertaining. We're three buffoons. And yeah. we, we, there's tomfoolery, there's buffoonery, all sorts of shenanigans happening. And we're all about that high-quality production. I mean, look at these cameras. Oh, look at this gosh. set. It's incredible. They're fun guys, and, man, do they have an army. I mean, they have an army of listeners. It's amazing. So uh, all you footies out there, uh, please <laughs> support this podcast as well. What else you yes. got? Next one. I listen to this podcast a lot, actually. Pardon my take. So I got to admit, I'm kind of not on the part of my take train for no other reason that I just never have gotten time to listen to it. But I know people love it, especially young folk. Interestingly enough, I only listen to it when I'm going to bed. So I'll put it on at night and I'll fall asleep to it. So I never actually hear the whole episode. It doesn't seem like a podcast to fall asleep to. It's not. It's really not. Yeah, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, (laughs) that's a podcast you fall asleep to. Right, and that's another one that I've found, but that's just something weird that I do. It says nothing about the podcast. So what is it? So it's a comedic sports podcast, and they release three each week, created by Barstool Sports. It actually debuted number one. It's so popular, especially with, like, the younger crowd. You kids, you (laughs) And they deliver what they say is the loudest and, I'll quote, most correct Sports takes in the history of spoken word. Hot takes. Yep. All right, let's check it out. As you all know, who everyone who's listening to the podcast knows, Brooklyn has uh, the best things in the world just across the board. Correct. Barbecue, uh, racehorses. Me. Big cat. I live there. They have the best big cat in the Socks. world right now. I hate now. this city. Um, hey, KD and, K- and Kyrie, you shouldn't have done it because it, this city sucks. It sounds like, you know what, I, I would not be surprised if they started their own podcast. Oh, yeah. From Brooklyn. That's what you have to do when you move out there. All right, that's it. I'm going to start listening. Going to try it out. <laughs> Don't listen to it before, bud. Uh, truth. I only go to sleep to history shows. Really? Either on TV or as podcasts. Constantly. I've heard it'll soak into your brain and you get a little bit smarter. Here's the problem. Sometimes I'll be talking to somebody about a historical event and I'll be like, did you know? And then as I'm saying, did you know? I think, first of all, did that really happen or did I dream that that happened? Yeah. And I also like to read like the history of the Targaryens. So I at one point I was telling somebody about the Targaryens and I'm listening to myself and I'm like, I sound like I really believe that this is real history. Yeah. I'm like, well, no, no, no. The dragon. You got to do it. Yeah. So it's a whole nother uh, world. I, I love there. history stuff. All right. What else you got? <laughs> All right. Finally, we've got Gladiator, the Aaron Hernandez and Football Incorporated. This is a Boston Globe Spotlight Team podcast. They are best known for investigating the sexual abuse scandal inside the Catholic Church. But now they're taking this podcast to dive deep into the whole crisis that football went through when Aaron Hernandez's life took a turn. There are a couple podcasts that I will put on a pedestal was like 
just amazing shows that you need to, to listen to. S-Town is one. This is one. If mm-hmm. you're a sports fan, this was amazing, this podcast. And you learn a lot. Each episode, they dive into like this whole different world of something that the news didn't even talk about in the case. You know? Yeah. Good, so interesting. Good storytelling. Here we go. I was at that Super Bowl as a sports writer for the Boston Globe. I remember thinking, here's another showboating football player. But this wasn't just another spectacular athlete. This was Aaron Hernandez, a man who earned millions as a star of the New England Patriots and who would be accused of murdering three people. I said, Aaron, I'm hearing some things about, you know, you and this murder. A man who spiraled out of control. Well, good job, Morgan. Thank you. Really appreciate you doing that this week. Of course. And thank you for listening to Access Podcast. I'm Maddie Stout, and you can reach me at Maddie Stout, M-A-T-T-Y-S-T-A-U-D-T, on all the social media platforms. You can also follow Access Podcast at Access Podcast 1. Some dumbass has Access Podcast and never uses it. Morgan, what if some uh, some people want to stalk you? Any way to stalk you? You can do that. My handle on all social media is at Morgan Victory. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that Morgan Victory? My middle name's Victoria. Oh, okay. So when I got my first Twitter account. It's a good one, though. What my, yeah. That's a really good one. Thank you. We want to thank everybody at iHeartRadio, Will Pearson, Connell Byrne, Darren Davis. Let's thank Bob Pittman today. Yeah. Bob Pittman. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for just being you. Access Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye-bye.